0: Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. So, Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, the word of the Lord reads, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. As we begin to close in on Christmas morning, which is about nine days away, and believe me, your kids are counting down the minutes, right? It will become more and more apparent that the Christmas holiday is intimately connected with the tradition of giving, and it is not news to any one of you. I think that all of your houses, like mine, probably have little piles of gifts under a tree somewhere. Now, those trees and piles of gifts might vary in sizes, but you all have one. Uh, because there's an expectation of, of, of gift giving, especially if you have kids. Right? Your kids and your grandkids right now are already excited about Christmas morning. They are already thinking about it. They are already anticipating the moments. They have, they have already probably touched and handled the packages and, and secretly shook them trying to guess what what is in the boxes. Right? They're going to struggle to, to, to go to sleep on, on Christmas Eve as they think about all that awaits them, and you're going to struggle to keep them in bed you know, longer than 3 o'clock in the morning as they want to get up early to go open and see what's available to them. And, and, and if, you're, if you're kids, right, if you're young, you know what I'm talking about, because you have been raised to know that, that associated with Christmas is this idea of giving gifts. That's why people always ask you, what do you want for Christmas? Right? That's why you've always been asked to make a Christmas list. That's why when you see something really, really cool and expensive and then it makes you excited, even if it's July, you you say, I'm going to ask that for Christmas because you know if there's a chance in the world that you're going to get something like that, that Christmas is is your best shot. Christmas is when you get the biggest and the most awesome and the coolest gifts, right? That's when you're most likely to get the thing that you really, really desire. And it's the same thing for adults. Don't let don't let us fool you, okay? Because adults get excited about Christmas too. Some adults get cars for Christmas. Some get jewelry. Others get you know the tools that they've been drooling over that they've been looking at for six months um, at Lowe's, right? Some people get get clothes, and and some get the firearms that they that they've been dreaming about. As, as it's been said, the only difference between boys and men is is the the price of their toys, right? Or the, yeah, the only difference between Men and boys is the price of their toys, that's right. Um, and even for adults, Christmas can be exciting too because, because of the gifts. And, and the fact that is that Christmas really is permanently associated with getting and giving gifts. It seems to be an indispensable part of the Christmas experience. And, and for some, they, they criticize that and say that it shouldn't be that way well well other people you know they really love it and they enjoy showing their love for people by giving gifts in either case no matter what your disposition is it's it's probably not gonna change anytime soon and and, and for many giving and getting gifts is, is really kind of a big deal that's why so many people fret about what to get other people because there seems to be this an expectation and and the, and the reality is is we don't want to give cheesy gifts we want to give good gifts right Because because gift-giving at Christmas time isn't simply about just giving some trinkets that are meaningless. It's about giving meaningful and thoughtful gifts that matter to people. We want to give good gifts. We want to give gifts that are received with joy. We want to give gifts that that, that say to the person that you're giving the gift to that that we care. We want to give gifts that, that strengthen relationships. We want to give good gifts. And because of that, many of these gifts can be of expensive it, you know it, it can come at a great cost it's why so many people sacrifice right <clears throat> and leave Thanksgiving dinner and drive down the road and go get in line and risk bodily injury to participate in the, the the phenomenon known as Black Friday it's also why people go into debt at Christmas time it's also why people some people some people work overtime or why people you know sell coffee and other things because they want to give good gifts because there's a connection between Christmas and, and gift giving. And many people will decry this, and they will say, you know what, look at what Christmas has become. It's about consumerism, it's about greed, it's about selfishness, and it's, it's about stuff. And, and, and I will agree <clears throat> that, um, that we can go too far right, on Christmas. I will agree that, that, that we can certainly, and, and we have made Christmas at times something that it's not, But what I want you to realize, this is important for you to understand, what what you need to realize is that, that giving gifts, your instinct to give gifts on Christmas is really a reflection of God. Our giving gifts to other people is a reflection of God's gifts that he gives to us on Christmas. The reason why we give gifts to begin with is because we are made in the image of God, which means we were created to reflect his nature and his character. That's the reason why we give gifts. That's the reason why we desire to give good gifts. That's the reason why we're willing to sacrifice to give good gifts. It's because we're reflecting really the nature and character of God. Now we can go too far, right? But as the Bible tells us, right? I want you to hear this. As the Bible tells us, God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave. Notice notice how those two go hand in hand. He gave. Because that's what you do when when you love, is you give, right? When you love someone, you give to them. You give to them your time. You give them your attention. You give them your affection. You give them your material resources, and you give them gifts to express that love. Why do you give your kids Christmas presents? Because you love them. Why do you give your grandchildren gifts? Because you love them. And it's the same with your spouse and your siblings and your parents and your neighbors and your friends. You give gifts to those that you love, right? And and you give gifts whether or not you realize it because it's a a reflection of, of God's nature. Even people who don't believe in God, when they have this urge to give gifts out of love, what they're doing is realize, not realizing they're bearing witness that they are created in the image of God. God loves, and because he loves, he gives. And he gives good gifts. God gives good gifts. He gave you the gift of life. If you're married, he gave you a spouse. That's a good gift, by the way. Make sure you all understand. He gives us family. He gives us sunshine. He also gives us the rain in my wife enjoys that gift more than I do, but that's a whole different matter. He gives us things like food. He gives us, he gives us you know, water. He gives us, um, you know, uh, the, the joy of friendship. He gives us the hope that comes from fellowship. God lavishes gift upon gift upon gift upon us. In fact, as James says, right, every good and perfect gift comes from every good gift and every perfect gift comes, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, God loves, right? And because He loves, He gives, and He gives good gifts. And, and God also gives us sacrificially, because God also, right? God so loved the world that He did what in love people do. He gave, and He gave what was most precious to Him. He gave what was most precious to Him. He gave His Son Jesus Christ. God sacrificed to give us a good gift. I want you to hear me on this. God gave what was most precious to him. He gave his only son. God sent Jesus, his son, into the world. That's exactly what we celebrate on Christmas, by the way. right? It's about God giving us the gift of Jesus Christ. It's about the incarnation. God the son left the throne of heaven above and he came into the world to be born of a virgin. Right? That's, that's what we celebrate here on Christmas. Jesus, who is fully God, condescended to become fully man, and took on a human nature, God the Father sacrificially sent His Son to be with us. And He He came here into the world to identify with us. In fact, that's what His baptism meant, that Jesus was identifying with, with sinners who need to repent. He never needed to repent and He never sinned, but He was identifying. That's why He was baptized. He came to walk among us. He came to live with us. He came to become one of us and to suffer with us and to hunger with us, and to be tempted like one of us, and to be exhausted like us, and to weep with us. He also came to strengthen us, but most importantly, He came to rescue us. That's why God gave that gift. It was out of His love. God so loved the world that He gave, and what He gave was His most precious Son. And his, and, but the giving doesn't stop there, because His Son Himself would also give. He gave up His very life, for those that god loves it's a demonstration of that love look what what, what paul says here in, in romans chapter 5 verse 8 he says but god shows he right he, he demonstrates he puts on display god shows his love for us that while we were still sinners christ died for us That's how much he loved us before we could accept Him, before we could love Him, before we could turn from our sins, God demonstrates His love for us. He shows His love through us, for us through Christ willingly, coming to the earth to give His life for us. That is exactly why Jesus came. That's why, why God gave us the gift of Christ That's so that we could so that He could die for us as a demonstration, as a, as a demonstration of God's love. God loved us so much that he gave his son who willingly died for us. That's God's Christmas gift to you. Now, God sacrificed more than you can possibly imagine, and he gave the best possible gift. Now, I think if, you, if you're a parent especially, you probably know a little bit more about this maybe, because you know what it's like to sacrifice. You're, you know your children want something. You would like for them to have it. You work hard. You sacrifice. You, you save. You don't buy things that you need or want so that your kids can have something. right? And you want to give them the very best possible gifts you can give them. Well, God sacrificed more than you can possibly imagine. And he gave the best possible gift. He gave his own precious son, Jesus. And our giving of gifts in our own lives to those that we love this time of year is, is a dim, Reflection of that reality. It's a dim reflection, but it's a reflection nonetheless. We give gifts on Christmas because it's a reflection of who God is and what he does and what he's done for us. Now, it's, it's one thing to be given a gift. It's a whole other thing to receive it. Because you can be given a gift, but if you don't receive it, it really doesn't matter. Someone can hand you a gift and you can throw it in the trash unopened. It doesn't matter. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but some of you probably have done that. Some of you, you maybe have given gifts that you're like, I don't want that. Why do they even bother? Or maybe some of you who have been given a gift from someone you don't want a gift from. You're like, I don't want anything from that person at all. Right? And so you take it and you you throw it out. Or or some of you who are like a little more frugal, they're like, yeah, that's called regifting, right? You know, so when you've been re that means you got something somebody else didn't want, but that's a whole different story and a d- different sermon. but 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 that's what happens is is, is is that you have to receive it, right? The fact is that gifts are are given, right? But they still must be received. and And, and that's what many people with with God's gift of Christ that they've done is they they they've heard it. they know that it's available. It's right there for them, but they refuse to receive it. They re- refuse to receive him. As Paul says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Well, who are the ungodly? Well, you are, and, and me, and, and everybody else in this room here. We're all the ungodly. You see, what, what it means to be ungodly is it mean, means to be unlike God. Yes, we were created in God's image, right? And so that means we, we, have some, we, we, we bear some resemblance to some of his character, but ultimately, we are very much unlike God. I mean, think about this. God is completely holy and we're not, right? God is completely righteous and we, we didn't pass that one either, right? God is completely, um, he, he's completely perfect and he's completely just and we're not. And so what we are is we are ungodly. So Christ died for the ungodly, which means he died for us, as Paul says, but God shows his love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we are still in our sins. God gave, his, gave this gift already. I want you to understand that the gift has already been given. He paid the price before we could do anything. The gift has already been given. It's already been delivered. It's already available. Right? You need to understand that this is not a gift that you're waiting on. It's a gift that's already been given. And what's left then with a the gift that's given is you need to what? You need to receive the gift. You need to take possession of the gift. You need to grab a hold of it and make it your own, right? We must not reject it or let it sit under the tree or in the closet unopened. We must receive the gift. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, which which happened. He gave the gift, but that's not all there is. It says, but after that it says, but whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gave the gift, but we must receive it. We must take possession of it. And the way we do that is by by believing in Christ. Or as Jesus so very clearly says in his own words in Mark chapter 1, we must repent and believe the gospel. We receive the gift of Christ through faith. We receive the gift of Jesus through repentance of our sin and placing our hope and our faith in the risen Jesus, Jesus Christ. And here's the part that we need to come to terms with. God has already given the gift, but if you don't receive it by faith, that gift means nothing to you. It's meaningless. It's, it's pointless. It's like the fruitcake that somebody delivered to you and you just went, I ain't eating that, right? I don't mean if anybody who likes fruitcake or who, who delivers fruit fruitcake, but 99% of us will take fruitcake and go, I ain't eating that, right? You must receive the gift. Otherwise, the gift is really pointless. As John says, as it says in John 3, 17 and 18, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God gave the gift of his son to save the world, but the gift still must be received. Because another it says in 18, it says, whoever believes in him or whoever's received him is, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him or receive him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the the only Son of God. The gift that God gives must be received through faith. God gave the gift and you must receive it through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now, the thing I really wanna draw your attention to this morning, which is really the heart of what I wanna get to is is the fact that the, the, the gift that, that God gives us in Christ truly is the gift that keeps on giving. Now we've heard that expression many times. We've probably heard that in the movies. Probably the most famous you know movie you've heard that in is probably like Christmas Vacation, right? But it was actually a slogan from, from advertisers, you know, in the, the 60s and 70s, everybody marketed their 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 product and said, It's the gift that keeps on giving, right? And we kind of understand what that means. It's the gift that continues to benefit someone and, and provide blessings and benefits long past the initial giving of the gift. Well, well, and, and when, when you give a gift to someone that you love, when you give a gift to, to one of your children or, or somebody that you care about, you hope that the gift you give is like that, right? You hope that it's something that continues to give. You hope that giving you give someone uh, a gift that, that's special to them in the moment, yes, but it will continually they will receive benefit from it in the future, that it will continue to bless their lives. They will continue to love it and appreciate it and think about you because of it and benefit from it long after the gift was given. Because let's face it, there are times when we're going to give gifts. It's just really not going to do a whole lot. You're going to give the gift. They're going to receive the gift. They're going to say thank you, and then it's going to end up in the closet or on a shelf somewhere, and that's going to be pretty much it. It's kind of like Christmas ties, Right? I mean, how many how many men in here have ever, ever, ever received a Christmas tie, yeah? Or how, how about how about a Father's Day tie, right? Those are the same kind of gifts, right? They just kind of go thank you, and you. Put them but, but, but we all know what it's like to give gifts like that. But then we, there are times we give gifts that have huge benefits and continuing benefits to them. Like last year, one of my kids got me one of these little all-in-one screwdriver sets, and when I got it, I was like, oh, okay, it's kind of kind of different. It's like like sixteen different screwdrivers packed into a. A, a handle like this big around, you know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, it's got like every variation of Phillips practically, and star bits and stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And and, and I didn't realize though that this is something that was going to be come in handy all year long because around my house, you know, tools like screwdrivers, like regular screwdrivers, they they disappear. Like they end up being used as chisels, right? They end up used as you know as as, as craft yeah hammers. Yeah, I, I don't understand that, but that's that's but so. I've always struggled to find a screwdriver to do something around the house. Well, <clears throat> there's always little projects. Well, this year, I've been able to use that one little screwdriver set that, that one of my kids had gotten from me multiple times. It was something that, that, that actually gave me benefit many, many times, even though it was not really expensive and it was kind of unwieldy. It was something that, that, that I was able to use many times, right? It's a gift that, that, that greatly benefited beyond the sentiment of Christmas morning. And, and we have all given gifts like that too, right? We've given gifts that that, that that continue to give benefit, and we've received gifts like that. The gifts that continue to provide, you know, blessings and benefits long after the initial gift. Well, the gift of Christ that God has given us truly is the gift that keeps giving. Because we have, we have received in Christ, right? What we've received in Him certainly is more than we deserve, but it's a gift that provides blessings and benefits beyond what you could ever even possibly hope or imagine. And... And it's a gift that really gives you everything that you need, right? As we see in Romans chapter 5, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are justified by our faith. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we receive the gift of justification through him. And understand, justification is a gift, It's beyond something you can do or earn yourself. As Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Justification is a gift. You have been justified by by God's grace. You see, justification is the part of salvation where you are declared right with God. We have been justified, which means your sins have been atoned for, that you're... you're, um, your debt has been washed away by the blood of Christ. And now you stand justified before God because you have been clothed in the righteous robes of Christ. And again, it's not something that we that that, that, that can be that you can do or, or earn. It's a judicial proclamation of God that you're not only not guilty, but you are righteous in the eyes of God. I want you to think about that you if you put your trust in Christ you are righteous before God not that you are personally righteous because of what you've done you are righteous because of what Christ has done for you because on the cross he took upon himself your sin your iniquities and in return he gives to you his righteous life and that's the thing that we need to realize that that Christmas We not only celebrate the fact that Jesus paid for our sins, we also celebrate the fact that he gives us the gift of his righteousness, his righteous standing before God. Jesus lived the perfect, sinless life as a man so that he could credit that life to you. That's what we call in theology imputation. Your sins are imputed or accredited to Christ. He didn't earn them, he didn't deserve them, but he allowed you to credit them to him. It's like when you, you owe somebody a lot of money, like a debt that you just possibly can't pay, and somebody that you know and love comes alongside you and says, put that on my account. I'll pay that debt. That debt is imputed to this other person. Your sins are imputed or, or credited to Christ, but, but that's not all, because in return, Christ then imputes to us his standing before God, his righteous standing before God. You see, <clears throat> not only is your debt wiped away, but your account is made positive. It's not, it's not just brought back to a zero balance, it has been credited with the righteousness of Christ. It's, it's, like, it's like you started off overdrawn and now you wake up the next morning to find that there's a there's a, a billion dollars in your bank account. Is is really kind of the gist. That's the idea of justification. Your debt has been wiped away, and now you have the righteousness of Christ credited to you. And that is 100% a gift of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus did it all. All you can do is receive it by faith. Because a gift must be received. But the gifts continue on. Notice what happens. As a result of being justified, Paul says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The gift that follows your justification is peace with God. When you are saved, you are at peace with God. Now, this is important because before you were were in Christ, you didn't have peace with God. In fact, you were in conflict with God. You were at war with God. You were in open rebellion against God. And you weren't just somebody that that, that annoys God like the neighbor down the street, right? Or the, the co-worker who thinks his, his jokes are funny. Right? You were God's enemy. That's what Paul tells us in verse 10, that we were God's enemies, which means we have a really serious problem because Because that means we are at war with and we are in conflict with the all-powerful all-knowing eternal God we are his enemies I don't know about you but if you want to pick a fight with someone that's not the one you want to pick a fight with and because we're God's enemies then his wrath was against us as the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men because sin and rebellion, the wrath of God was against us. We were his enemies, but through faith in Christ, we have been justified. And since we've been justified, we are no longer God's enemies. We have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, then we are saved from the wrath of God. Paul says in verse 9 that we've been saved from God's wrath. If you're in Christ, God's wrath no longer abides upon you. God is no longer angry with you anymore. You have been forgiven. You have been made new. You are no longer God's enemy. God's wrath against you has been dealt with. His wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ and and Jesus took the cup of God's wrath and he drank every drop of it for you. You are at peace with God and his wrath is no more. Even when you fall down. Even when you fall down. And I think this is a truth that we as Christians need to come to terms with and hold on to. If you belong to Christ, you have been saved from the wrath of God permanently, which means when you fall into your sins, you're still saved and the wrath of God does not come back. And this is super important because as Christians, you know, we're not to live in fear of God changing His mind about us. We're not we're not to live as if somehow we're gonna do something where God's gonna finally turn and decide, you know what? Jesus didn't pay for that. I'm done with you. Jesus died for all our sins. Jesus appeased the wrath of God for all all our sins, past, present, and future, which means when you fall on your face, you don't have to live in fear that God's gonna come drag you off to hell, that you actually get up and repent and turn towards God in love and say, forgive me, Lord, and that you can trust and take to the bank that he actually will, for his wrath has been dealt with already. Now, please understand, if you truly belong to Christ and you fall into sin, God will not let you stay there. He will come after you. He will come to put you back on the right track, which means he may discipline you. As as the Bible tells us that God is faithful to discipline those he loves. He will chastise those he cares about. Just the same way that you discipline your children, God might have to discipline you. And you might have to suffer the consequences of your sin, but you don't have to live in fear that God is gonna turn his back on you. You don't have to live in fear of the wrath of God Become. In fact, another gift that has been given is the fact that we are reconciled to God. Paul says, For while if we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation. Another gift that comes from from Christ is the gift of reconciliation. And and though we talk about reconciliation a lot, I don't think that we can overstate this or talk about it enough. In Christ, we are reconciled in our relationship to God. We have been made right with God. The relationship that we were created for has been restored. You see, you were created for an intimate, up-close, personal relationship with God. You were connected. You were, you were created to live connected to Him, as part of His family, as one of His children. Your relationship with God is not meant for you to be a mindless, heartless servant. You were created to experience God up close. You were, you were, you were created to, to find the light and joy in God. You were meant to have your soul satisfied in Him. God is to be our greatest desire and treasure. You have a God-shaped hole in your heart and you've been restored in a relationship with God that he now can fill that hole up. You've been reconciled into a loving relationship with God, and so in Christ you have the gift of reconciliation, but you also have the gift of God's presence. Paul says, through him we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. By faith, Right? And through the grace of God, you and I have access to the very presence of God. And I'm telling you, if you're not a believer, then you won't understand what I'm talking about here. But if you're someone who trusts in Jesus Christ, then you know what it's like to stand in the presence of God because you've experienced it in your own life. But I want you to think about that. Not only are we made right with God, you have access to him And his imminent presence, as it says in, Paul says in Hebrews chapter 4, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The thing that you and I need to realize is our relationship with God is not just about the future. It's not just about about heaven as glorious as that truth is as that is the hope that we hold on to your relationship with him is not just about that it is also about right now god gave access to of himself to you you have access to god right now you can turn to god right now and call on him anytime you want which means he is here for you now and not only is He faithful to take you home someday but he's also faithful here in this moment to hear your prayers and to help you. He is here to comfort you and to strengthen you. He is here to encourage you as, you as you grow. He is here to give you wisdom, as we're told that anybody that lacks wisdom to ask God, he will give it generously. He's here to give you peace. He's here to give you hope. God, the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, actually comes to, to make his dwelling place inside of you. The Bible tells us that right? God is always with you. And this is one of the greatest truths. I think of our Christian faith. The God of the universe has decided to be close enough to you that that not just around you, but he's going to make his home inside of you. So that way you are always connected to him. You see, you don't have to go to a temple to be in the presence of God. You don't have to go to a building to be with God. You don't have to go up on the highest mountain to be with God. God is always with you. Wherever you go, God is already there, and so God is in you and He is with you, and and brothers and sisters, God is, is for you, and He's always available for you to turn to and to call on. You see, God not only saves us for eternity, but He also empowers us to live in this life even though we face trials and difficulties and hardships. That's why Paul says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. We have the ability to rejoice in our suffering in this life by turning to and holding on to jesus christ and knowing that suffering produces endurance as we lean on christ as we we trust in him right we can count on him and that strengthens us in our faith and it says "And endurance produces character us holding on to jesus and trusting in in him even during our suffering, changes the nature of who we are. In Christ, we become different people. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are, are, have given your heart to Christ, but you have not changed, you might not be in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, you become different people. In Christ, we become less like us, and we become more like Jesus. And he says the character, that character produces hope because our transformed lives and the changes in our character are the fruit of our salvation. Christ progressively changing us and reshaping us into his image and, 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 and helping us become more like him is the evidence that God is working in us. And as we see that, we're more and more convinced that our salvation is, is sure in him. And then he says and that hope does not put us to shame because no one who trusts in Christ will be put to shame. No one who will call on the name of the Lord will be put to shame. No one who repents and believes the gospel will fall into shame. Because notice what Paul says here, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, not only has God given us the gift of Jesus Christ, and not only has He given us the justification we need to be able to stand before Him, and not only do we have peace with God And not only are we saved from the wrath of God, and not only do we have reconciliation in our relationship with him, and we have access to his presence, but God also gives us the gift of his own love in our hearts. Paul says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. John MacArthur, I think, actually renders this, he actually, like, uh, I think interprets this really well. He says in his commentary, God's love for us has been lavishly poured out to the point of overflowing in our hearts. He says that Paul moves from the objective aspect of our security in Christ to the internal, more subjective. God has implanted within our hearts the evidence that we belong to him in that we love the one who first loved us. What that means is the love that you have for God is a gift from God Himself. The love that you have for God is a gift from God Himself. God in Himself enables you to love Him. God provides for you the love that you need to love Him. Do you want to know how you can know that you were saved? That you love God. That you truly, deeply love Him. That He is your treasure. That He is your desire. That, that you love Him. And that love that you feel from Him that love that, that, that you, you feel in your heart for him, that love, that love comes from him. He enables you to love him. That love is poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit himself. That love that, that you have for God is evidence that you belong to him. It's his seal that, that, that you are his. And what that means for me and you, and what, and what that means is, is that God has given to every one of us all that we need to repent and believe the gospel and hold on to Jesus as our, for our salvation. God is, has given us everything we need to be saved and to be assured of our salvation because salvation is 100% the work of God and salvation is 100% the gift from God. And we know that God loves to give good gifts. And the gifts that he gives us in Christ are priceless. And so as we, we draw closer to this, this day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and as we get excited about giving gifts to those that we love, let us remember that even our giving of gifts to one another points us to the reason for this holiday in the first place. God so loved the world that he gave his only son and God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ the Son gave his life and died for us so that we, so that, that God could give us the gift of eternal life. And as you give those gifts to your loved ones, let us remember that every gift must also be received. In order for someone to obtain the gift of eternal life, they must receive Christ through faith and repentance. And it's just two simple things to do during this holiday. You will have multiple opportunities to give gifts and watch them being received. And my prayer is, is as you go along, that you will think about these things. That when you give that gift to your spouse, when you give that gift to your child, that you remember that it's a reflection of what God has done for you. And as they receive it with joy, right, remember that's exactly what it's like to receive Christ. We receive him. We receive the gift with, with joy. Let's all close our eyes and let's, let's bow our heads for a moment. Because in light of all of this, we, we all need to make decisions. And for some of you, you might have, have not have actually received the gift of God that he's holding out to you right now, that you can be forgiven and, and be reconciled to him. And maybe for some reason, you've just not done that yet. There's just something in you that you're holding off. There's some reason, you maybe like you're just you know, you've, you've heard the truth, but you've never, it's never made sense to you, right? Or it's never r- rang true to you. Or maybe you thought you did. Maybe, you, you know, when you were like like eight years old, you know, you said that you did, but you realize like, you know, maybe you're not a believer because you realize that, that your, your life has not changed, right? That, that you don't really love God. I mean, you, you, you fear him, but you don't really love him. Well, if that's you, and you're ready to actually move to faith in Christ and receive him by faith, will you please raise your hand? No one's looking at you. If you're ready to turn and put your trust in Jesus Christ for the first time and, and you want assurance of your salvation, will you raise your hand? Right. If you're someone who wants to receive Christ, my, my prayer for you is that you don't leave until you talk to someone. And that you actually talk to one of the deacons or, or me or one of the church leaders. And we would be happy to walk you through scriptures and show you how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Now, for those of you who do believe, I want to appeal to you today. As God has given you the most incredible gift, the, the, the gift of his son. Understand that he calls all of us to go out and share that gift with other people. And so I'm, I'm calling out to you, you know, that this Christmas season, that you would go out and you would share the gift that you've been given, the hope that you have in Christ. If you are willing to commit to to to, to at least talk to somebody about Jesus or, or share a verse with somebody about Jesus or invite them to church, if you're willing to commit to sharing this gift with other people, will you raise your hand. You praise the Lord for that. I want to encourage all of you to be bold in your faith. As Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation. And finally, for those of you who believe but right now, you're struggling with joy because life is hard. You're overwhelmed. I mean, you know you belong to Jesus, you love Jesus, but right now you're holding on by a thread because your heart is heavy and this time of year, there's just been so much happening and so much going on and you just are just struggling right now. And that you can just barely keep your eyes open. If that's you, You've raised your hand. What I want you to know is I will be praying for you. And and I want you, before you leave, is to connect with somebody in this church family to pray for you. And let me urge you, do not suffer alone. You have a church family. You have a gift that God has given you, a church family, and we're here for you, and we will support you, and we love you, and we will help you to get through this time of your life. That is what it means to be a part of the body of the Christ. And so we will certainly be praying for you that you will experience that joy again, and that God will continue to be faithful to help you through that. With your heads bowed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for all the gifts that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that, that not only we have all these gifts, but there are many more gifts that we haven't even touched on, the gift of of, the, the, the gift of sanctification, how you shape us into the image of Christ, the gift of glorification that one day we'll stand before, um, before you uh, without sin at all even being present, the gift of adoption that we have been adopted into your family like one of your own children, Father, the gift of, of your word, Lord, that, that we can know you. The gift, so many gifts, Lord, too many to, to be counted. And I pray, Father, that all of us would walk this Christmas in the knowledge that we have been given gifts more than we can possibly imagine. And that, that as we continue this tradition, Lord, of giving gifts to those that we love, that it would just, every gift would impress upon us the gifts that you've given us. That every time we see a, a Christmas gift, every time we give a gift to someone else that we know then we would be reminded of the gifts that we've been given. And then as we receive gifts and we, as we also then watch people receive gifts that we understand that our faith isn't, our, our, our hope is not in our abilities to, to make ourselves right before you. Our hope is just simply receiving you by faith and trusting you for you to do what you promised you, which is to save us from our sins. And I pray, Father God, that we would rejoice in that and glorify you this Christmas season and that we keep those things in mind love you and praise you. praise you. Christ You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world?